Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen men loaded in man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Walk the plank. Everybody on the ship! What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films, and yes, the expanded universe we dabble in history, stress the euphemisms, and strive to have a hell of a good swashbuckling time each and almost every week. I'm Scott Artist from ScottArtist.com. And I'm Heather Artist from TheBlackPearlShow.com. Really? Now I gotta buy TheBlackPearlShow.com. <laughs> Damn it! No, TheBlackPearlShow.com. I'm from theblackpearlshow.com. Now I got to get that. You know what? I actually had it and I let it go because I thought, why do I just need to renew this? Now I got to go back and get it again if it's still available. Damn it. Anyways, thanks for joining us. I think I already always say theblackpearlshow.com, by the way. Do you? I think so. Shouldn't it just be I'm from blackpearlshow.com? I think I always say the... All these people are going nowhere now. They're going, I could have swore she said theblackpearlshow.com. No. Doesn't mean uh, it's part of the title. It does when you're saying a URL. Actually, that whole sentence, I actually had to get that. And I'm Heather Artist from theblackpearlshow.com. Yeah, see? So now I have all of that I have to get. Yeah. That's whatever. one big long URL. It's like those uh, URLs we would see when we were in Visalia in Central California for a while. It would be like, <laughs> uh, it was a Chinese restaurant or something. What's, it's like the Chinese restaurant of Visalia, California. Some crazy yeah. thing that was like 40 or 50 characters long. It was, it was a nightmare. So that's what's going on. So thanks for joining us today for episode 108. We're in season two still. Yeah, you heard it right. Unbelievably, season two still. And that means we're uh, pillaging 116 and 117. That's minutes of Dead Man's Chest. Just going to mosey along and pretend like... Uh, Normally, we would do a pirate word of the week, but I won't say anything about that. It's probably a good idea. Yeah, that's what I thought. In the previous minutes, it's a bit of a coming-of-age story that could have been penned by Charlotte Bronte or maybe Jane Austen. Nearly innocent Elizabeth Swan is standing in front of a couple of grimy... Grimy? Grimy? <laughs> grimy. Grimy scalawags holding their chest. She confidently reaches down, gives a quick fondle only to realize she's not actually packing a sword. The poetry is undeniable. (laughs) Hey, I mean, we've all gone down that road of discovery as toddlers. And let's not forget the escaping water wheel and an angry school of fish people. It's like a modern interpretation similar to Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies, dare I say. It's my ode to classic literature right there. Minute 116 begins with Hadris running off with the dead man's chest. Jack, seeing the escaping hermit crab dude, contemplates his pitching abilities, grabs a coconut, and knocks the shell off Hadris' body. The chest falls to the jungle floor. 
Minute 117 ends with Elizabeth fighting the crew of the Flying Dutchman near the longboat. The water wheel cruises across the shallows. Some of the crew get engulfed, stops the action, and begins to fall over having lost momentum. So that's where we end in this two-minute round here. Mid-tumbling over water wheel on the water in the shallows. You're going to say something, I know it, so I'm not even going to go on. Okay, what? What do you have on deck? I said that was a pretty good throw that uh, Jack did. I'd say it's a near impossible throw. (laughs) With a coconut. (laughs) With a coconut. (laughs) You don't think you could do it in real life? I don't think so. You sure? I mean, uh, we can talk about that later. Oh, okay. Some of the coconut throwing action. Because I just really wanted to start with kind of an overview. Because we really couldn't ask for like a more emblematic like swashbuckler minute than these. We get sword fighting, stunts, plot enticing, still beating, extracted hearts found in a treasure chest. And all of this stuff. Headless fishmen, by the way. Fishmen? Headless. Headless fishmen. fishmen. You don't see that very often. And all this like takes place on this tropical island jungle in the Caribbean with some uh, sweet pirate music to accompany that. And as you will hear later, some... Sweet, famous, dare I say Sebastian, Johan, Sebastian, I just slaughtered him. You know, I go from classic literature to classic music, (laughs) and then I just fumble all over that. We'll just say Bach. Because this is Pirates of the Caribbean. Gotta get us some classic music in there. Oh, let's just start with the music then, since I mentioned it. Because the first thing that caught my ear really was the music. Specifically, like, this take on He's a Pirate, which was uh, by By the way, I could tell. Because I was playing it, and all of a sudden you stopped what you were doing and listened to the music. On which part? For the... Well, uh, when it, he's a pirate part. Oh, the he's a pirate? Yeah, because... Yeah. Well, so I'm kind of stepping back a little bit, and I'm doing some jumping back and forth between the previous minutes and this minute, because uh, as you may have heard in the last show, I was con- almost a little confused on where the hell I was. I was like, is this minute 113, 114, one? 15. I didn't know yeah, where the hell I was. Yeah, you bet me too, by the way. I didn't bet you. Now stop it. You did. Of course we didn't. So I may bring some notes back because I skipped some notes and things that I wanted to talk about because then I was in this you like, a whole minute? like in this Alzheimer's state. <laughs> so I'm going to bring it back because I thought I can't overlook it. We're breaking down Pirates of the Caribbean minutes by minutes. We'll just say for right now. But I, uh, I, I just need to go back over it. That's, that's the idea. Oh, and by the way. This episode brought to you by Blue Moon, Belgian white, Belgian style wheat ale. Ah, yeah. I needed to have a beer to get through this one. Because <laughs> you got confused as well. I did. I got confused. Doing. It's probably because I didn't have a beer last time. And I was like, my mind had such clarity that it's like, no, you plan this stuff when your mind is hazy. Yeah. And you only prepped one minute for this week. I was getting, I was going back. It's like I was in some kind of time warp. I'm like, we're doing two minutes, but I'm prepping one minute. I didn't know what was going on. So there we go. But anyways, I did want to get back to some of that stuff and some of my notes because there is some cool stuff. And really, there is this take on He's a Pirate by Klaus Bedelt from The Curse of the Black Pearl. It's that theme music. It's kind of the epitome of the pirate music now kind of thing for Pirates of the Caribbean. But it's well time for Jack's leap onto the runaway water wheel. And it signals to me that the action is just about to get good. He's a Pirate is like the gold standard of pirate music now. It really is. It is. (laughs) Seriously. Really? Yes. I don't even know if you said that or if you pushed a button (laughs) and it's like recorded. But it gets me every time with like the smile when I hear that music. Because I know some cool stuff is happening. I know. It stopped you in your tracks, I tell you. 
Here, though, He's a Pirate is integrated into, like, this larger track listing that's called Heart Madness. Heart Madness is, it's not like the general movie soundtrack that you would see, but it's found on the Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest complete moch, motion, motion picture score. Or motion picture <laughs> score, depending on which version you got. It's track four, by the way. Tra- Dang it. You know, I'm screwing this all up. It's actually track listing for track 38. So it'd be like on the fourth disc. There you go. Let's just say it comes in at minutes. Like, it comes in at six minutes, 45 seconds. It spans this entire scene. Has all kinds of cool stuff integrated into it. Like I said, he's a pirate's there. And we talked about Klaus last season. And this season. And his link to Hans Zimmer and their roles in Curse of the Black Pearl and Dead Man's Chest, all that kind of stuff. But taking a more, like, creative lead in this sequel, Hans is credited with Heart Madness and... Then there's like a, it's almost like you'd have parentheses and it says like, along with Klaus Bedelt for his edition of He's a Pirate, I'm assuming. That's that's my take on it. Oh, okay. It's like for so some of his stuff that was brought over from Curse of the Black Pearl. But it also included a mashup of uh, Tom Geyer and John Sponsler. So there's some other guys that were credited to Heart Madness. And just like you, I was uh, asking myself, just who are these crazy composer dudes? <laughs> I was wondering if you pronounce their names correctly. Hey. I said it, it's gold here now. <laughs> Turns out they work together a lot and are co-owners and founders of Brand X Music. And together with John, actually, Tom has written original score for dozens of successful films, including the entire Harry Potter franchise, the Matrix trilogy, the Man of Steel, 300, The Last Samurai, Batman Begins, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and more. Okay, I was all on, on good with this guy until you mentioned The Matrix. I know you don't like The Matrix, but it's possible we're in The Matrix. That's why you don't like no, it. No, we're not. It's not even possible. Well, here's the interesting part about that. Oh, it is possible philosophically. So let's not get into philosophical debates here. Or some kind of solipsism things. You know, it's like you're the only one and you're... Okay, well, never mind. And uh, Okay, here's the interesting <laughs> part, as I was saying. Because none of these movies I just mentioned are actually on their IMDb pages. Really? No. Why? I don't know. And I was like, what the hell? That's weird. I mean, come on, heck. I am BD. I am BD. You know, this is art. Where's where's Blue Moon? I need a Blue Moon. Ah, now I'm recharged. Okay. IMDB does have them involved with other Pirates of the Caribbean films, except Dead Men Tell No Tales. They were ashamed and of Chris it Black or Pearl. what? No. It does say like National Treasure, Transformers, and um, a few others that they've worked on with Hans Zimmer. But their Brand X website lists these other films that just aren't on their resume list, okay? So I started to go down like this crazy conspiracy road. Then I decided to like revisit the Brand X music website. Yeah. Where I got the information originally. Turns out I misread their bios. Simple misreading. Because I was probably glancing over it. That kind of thing. But it uh, says they composed the advertising campaigns for those movies. Oh. Bastards! Yeah. Advertising campaigns. Not the movies. The advertising campaigns. So it completely got me on a reading comprehension thing there. Ah, reading comprehension. I used to be so good at it for like standardized test and reading comprehension. Just goes to show you, not so much anymore. <laughs> not so much. That's true. At uh, one second into minute 17, now I'm kind of jumping back to the future. What? Yeah, I'm going back to the future future or the present depending on how we're in the minute because i was kind of backtracking some of that he's a pirate wheel, water wheel jumping on point okay yes because i wanted to bring in 
John and Tom. But at one second in a minute 17, this music sounds off as Pintel and Rigetti grab the chest again. And I swear it had this Phantom of the Opera mystery vibe. And I'm going to play both clips and then okay. we'll then we'll discuss it. Okay. So here's the one from Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay, did you get that? It's kind of like right there. Uh-huh. Mystery. Phantom of the Opera. Like I said, other horror movie kind of thing. And now here's the Phantom of the Opera. Or, or no, I shouldn't say Phantom of the Opera. I don't consider Phantom of the Opera horror. Well, I'm saying other horror because it's been in other stuff. Oh, but I'm okay. just saying, okay, so here it is. Here's the piece. So this whole thing, this 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 piece, I'm just going to call it for the second here. Okay. It's actually, like I said in the beginning, uh, and, and it's attributed to Johann Sebastian Bach. Okay. It's called Toccata and Fugue in D minor, BWV 565. Oh, okay. I know that one. You do know that one because everybody's heard that music. <laughs> yes. So you do. You may not have known the name, <laughs> no. but you do know it. <laughs> Because it is one of the most famous works in, like, organ, the organ repertoire. If you I thought you said famous works in organ. In organ, yeah. So, <laughs> Johan, as I call him, was, sure. was traveling about with the organ trail <laughs> thing. And was out in Oregon, composed this famous works way back when. <laughs> so, I mean, it's been used as film music well before the sound film era as well. I mean, it's, it's becoming a cliche to illustrate horror and villainy. That's what it is. So imagine like those silent movies with live music happening when you're in uh-huh. the audience. That's what I picture with this in silent films. But it, it's, it's in most of the talkies as well. Not like in every talkie. Talkies. I'm going to call them talkies now. <laughs> if we're talking silent, silent movies, then we got to call them talkies. Damn it, woman. Are you kidding me? Just dated myself. Yes, I was born in the 1930s, okay? Yeah, so stop it. Say. 1920s, 1910s. 20s. Because <laughs> I had to span the silent film era, and then when we started getting talkies, and I was like, oh my God, it's a talkie. <laughs> It's like when you still see a, 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 a motel that says color TVs. And you're like, oh, yeah. A no, sh- sh- <laughs> no kidding. Okay. <laughs> Not very many black and whites on the market these days. Are go there to, any actually? Go to Best Buy. I'm uh, looking for a sweet black and white <laughs> tube TV. Thank you. <laughs> Anyways, it was first used in sound films, including the 1931 film Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and the 1934 film The Black Cat. And it ended up with some Disney references or Disney connections because Fantasia contributed significantly to the fame of this piece as well.
And like I said before, leave it to two cartoons. Not leave it to two cartoons. Leave it to <laughs> cartoons to inform kids about classic music. Of course, yeah. That's where we all know it from. Well. So thank you, Warner Brothers. Yeah. Thank you, Disney. You've uh, taught us what we need to know about uh, culture. That's a, the sad Classics. thing about Warner Brothers not being played all yeah. the time anymore. I mean, where, <laughs> where did I... Th- I mean, where do you know the Barber of Seville from? Not from, okay, high society people out there. Yes, you've heard it somewhere else before, okay? But originally, when you're young. Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny, of course, right? All the classics are from Bugs Bunny. Thank you. That's where they originated from. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to believe. (laughs) In our world, yes. (laughs) That's where it originated. As kids, you're like, oh, that's that music from Bugs Bunny. So do kids these days not know this kind of stuff? Yeah, kids kids don't know anything about music these days. Because they, I don't know. I don't watch cartoons. I don't know what kind of music is in cartoons these days. Do they still get the classic music in there? I don't know. It's a good question. Maybe someone can let us know. Yeah. The 1950 film Sunset Boulevard used uh, this piece as a joking reference to the horror genre. And the piece appears in many more films, including 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Boom, Another Disney, that's 1954, where it was played by Captain Nemo. Captain Finding Nemo. <laughs> On the organ of the Nautilus. Yeah. The 1960 film adaption of The Phantom of the Opera used uh, this piece as well in the suspense and horror sense. That's what I was re- referencing. Oh, okay. When I heard it. Not that it was just that. It, it's just, it just reminds me of that. It was also used without any irony and kind of like this apocalyptic spirit, which was kind of updated from its earlier kind of gothic implications at the beginning and the end of the 1975 dystopian science fiction film that you watch practically once a month rollerball i've never even heard of oh roller you've ball. heard of it you're wearing oh. the t-shirt for god's sakes right now your retro shirt rollerball what is it said it's a 1975 dystopian science fiction classic film obviously I don't know. Yeah. I think I've seen it. Does it have James Conn really? in it? I, I don't know. I don't know. Never even heard of it. You've never heard of it? Yeah, I don't have heard of it. Maybe the name. I think they did a it. remake of it too. I don't know. At some point with some people. Yeah. We're just going to leave it there. This isn't Rollerball Minute. God help us if there's a Rollerball Minute, by the way. So that's kind of uh, me going back and forth on some of the jumping history timeline stuff. But that was music. But I also have some other stuff that I needed to mention. This is just to make sure all the haters don't tell us about it. Because there's, and we don't usually talk about movie mistakes or continuity errors or any of that kind of stuff. We try to avoid them unless there's something really like over the top. Yeah. But usually they're just kind of minor things. We accept most things. Yeah, we're we're easygoing with that. But it's freaking movie people that really get like annoyed by it. Or I don't know. I don't know what it is. But hey, get over it. Secondly, Because that's my usual opinion on the topic. It's a movie. Some of that stuff happens. But it's my opinion for this as well. But since we're scrutinizing things, this is one that has risen to almost like an internet controversy. Which I hope everyone takes with a grain of salt on this. When there's an internet controversy. Because that's like every day now. Times ten. But it's the water wheel axle. There's these metal rods in the axle, okay? Jack clunked himself in the last few minutes. Yeah. When he first jumped into the wheel. Well, either Jack shrinks or that wheel is getting bigger as it goes because Jack is now running inside and not hitting his head. That and the other guys get inside too. That's okay. And they don't hit their head and I think they're taller. That's right. Okay. We can do that. There we go. Yeah. They're all tall. No one's getting The bars went away. 
There are six metal bars mounted around the circumference of the water wheel's axle, okay? He now appears more than a foot shorter than all of these spinning bars, which would make that uh, previous shot impossible. Yeah. And another thing, how does Will... Now, that that wheel... Wheel. I'm trying to make wheel and will Will. not sound the same. That wheel is going pretty quickly. It's not slow. Yeah. How does he actually lay on top of that wheel, wheel... and reach around and grab the key. Because I think it's pretty How is it tall? long yeah. enough to do that? I don't know what the speed is, but it could be, depending on how big it is, that determines. Yeah. It's, then he gets, whoop, and falls off. Well, yeah. He would, but yeah, he ended course. up inside it. We're not going to necessarily play the physics on that part. Okay. Yeah. It. I don't know. And we almost need to test that out. <laughs> Maybe we should get a big wheel and put you in it and see what happens. <laughs> yes. Because there's some other wheel physics that come up too at the end that i'll mention but i'll mention it later since i'm kind of because i'm taking the story route okay but this has some previous legs and and i did want it on the record that we saw the bar missing it's just not something i wanted to dwell on oh okay obviously the age of sail and in the pirates of the caribbean universe there's water wheels have this ability to increase in length when rolling okay they just get bigger or not length but circumference diameter oh okay that's why jack doesn't hit his head again we'll just leave it there it's pure magical physics related to davy jones and of course (laughs) served as a humorous purpose yes there we said it no need for the emails and i'm good unless you wanted to uh dwell on it a bit good there was one thing too with the wheel that i certainly didn't want to dwell on was the creative cinematography happening with the runaway thing happening here When that camera started to rotate, giving the wheel the appearance it wasn't actually spinning, well, I can tell you my stomach started to rotate, and I thought (laughs) my head was going to explode. Freaking thought I was riding those damn Disney teacups. (laughs) If I want to ruin a Disneyland trip, I'll jump on a teacup so I have motion sickness for the rest of the day. That's how I can ruin a day instantly. But I swear I was on the verge of refunding my popcorn here. Thank the Aztec gods. This didn't actually go on too long. Because, man, that rolling was brutal for me. It was. I was dying. <laughs> Am I the only one about to get sick when this scene happens? Yeah. Because it looks really good. And I tried to examine it. <laughs> it's like I tried to watch the art of it. And I can't. I get the gist. And I look away. It's like, look away. Look away. <laughs> That's my inner voice letting me know I'm uh, headed for a full vestibular system breakdown there. My sense of bodily movement is all thrown off. It's like I should have popped some drama mean to watch that. <laughs> On screenit.com, this is how bad it is. Screenit.com offers up like parental reviews of those asking if they should let their kids see a movie or not. Yeah. Well, they have this a uh, disclaimer for this scene. So here, here it is. For those prone to visually induced motion sickness, there's a scene where Will and Norrington have a sword fight on a large mill wheel. Damn it, they said mill wheel. <laughs> that is broken free and is rolling across the ground. We see views from the... Inside that wheel that shows the ground going around, thus possibly causing some motion sickness in susceptible viewers. Huh. Interesting. So it's like, uh, you need to now check those websites before I watch a movie just to make sure that I I can handle it. You have to do some parental guidance for me. Uh, You torture yourself on a regular basis. I don't think it's an issue. (laughs) With video games? Yeah. I haven't been able to play much video games lately. No? No. Because of your motion sickness? Not or? because of the motion sickness. I've been too damn busy with everything else. <laughs> I got me some cowboys to kill or something. <laughs> some sailing. I don't know. Those are, I think that was most of the stuff that I wanted to talk about in previous minutes, bumping back and forth. 
But the cinematography continues to impress here. Because I really like the cut to the beach. You know, the white sandy beach. Yeah. Makes Long me want to go is. sit on it. Yeah, white sandy beach of Hawaii. If you yeah. haven't checked out Is and you like yourself some tropical Hawaiian music, yeah, Is is the way to go. But anyways, the long pan from left to right with Jack popping into view, as well as his running across the water, I'm not exactly sure what it is, but it, it has like this calming and remote feel for me. So like that transitions to some urgency. So it's like nice, calm, but then it's a quick pan, Jack running across the water. I don't know. It just, it really catches my attention. Yeah. Because then when Jack is fighting Kalenico, after putting the heart in the jar of dirt, you know? Yeah. We get a pan from right to left. It goes back the other way, which extenuates, extenuates, which extenuates, <laughs> which accentuates. <laughs> <laughs> what is that word? Accentuates. That's probably it. And I said I was good at like comprehension. <laughs> Obviously, <not> spelling. <laughs> definitions, <laughs> words, all of that is escaping me now. But anyways, it accentuates kind of that long beach run. And it's a quick pan. Both of them are, really. It's almost like a live TV show. The camera doesn't just want the audience to miss the action, so it does this quick swivel to catch it all. Yeah. It feels like we're on the sidelines watching pirates clash right there in the ocean, or kind of the shallows, I should say, from the beach. Yeah. Then obviously the bonus of Will and Norrington inside the wheel shot. Luckily, that's just a split second or I'd be sick all over again. <laughs> but obviously, the convenient plot element is to get, like, all the cast back together as quickly as possible. Because they're separated on yeah. the island. It's yeah. like, how do we get them all back to the same point? The wheel oh is going to ro roll into the perfect spot. Yeah. Catch a couple of dudes along the way. Exactly. Yeah, and they totally roll over those fishmen. Yeah. And I have some things about that. Okay. What do you got? Well, Okay. It's all part of this. And I don't want to bring reality into a supernatural pirate flick. Not when there's literally fish dudes right there. But does that wheel defy the laws of physics? Would it have stopped not too long after hitting the water? Because the water seems a couple of feet deep. Maybe. Kind of looks like that. And I'm not sure. Uh, it's just something I'm thinking about. Yeah, but that wheel is made to move water. Move To move water, but to move on water? Well, if it was facing the correct direction... I don't recall which direction it was facing. And the little bucket things were going in the right direction, maybe. You're, what are you saying? This is like some kind of perpetual motion machine now that it's got water under it? Maybe. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed like it cruised quite a long distance out into the water. And it would be, he I don't know. It'd be heavy. So that And it was going pretty quickly. It fell from a cliff. Maybe. <laughs> maybe it works. It does give us a full circle on the wheel. Yeah. Pun intended. Kind of a bookend for the heart scene because the wheel runs over Jack and now it runs over the Flying Dutchman crew. Yes. Kind of a... Yeah. There we go. The fishermen. The fishmen. We get a new crewman featured in these minutes and I know you wanted to talk about him. Good old Hadris. How did Kalinico catch up with Jack so quickly? Running like beast. Right? Yeah. I mean, seriously, because there was... Jack looked back and there was no one there. Jack looked back. <laughs> Jack talked high. <laughs> There's no milking going on here. Jack talk tie. Talk what? Tot. <laughs> Jack talk tie. Jack talk tie very well. Uh, yeah, I guess he just bolted down there. Yeah, but they're so, they're quick though on land and in sea because they're hybrids. You think hybrids some of their fishiness than... would hold them back? 
I mean, that stuff's got to be heavy. You know coral's heavy. Calcium? Yeah. Carbonate? That stuff's heavy. So you'd think it would slow him down. No, he caught up with that guy. No, with Jack. Clinico, the cal- the coral guy? Is he the, the puffer sea fish urchin? Man. Sea urchin or puffer fish? I think he's a puffer fish man. Puffer fish, okay. Yeah, he has spikes on him. Yeah. Well, he caught up. Jack was messing with the jar of dirt, though. That's true. Yeah. Poured out part of his jar. Then he filled it back up after he put the heart in. Put it in there. But I set you up for Hadris talk because you wanted to bring him up last minute. I mean, we've seen him before, but I knew that he had like a good romp coming. So I was always kind of wanted to ignore him. And then we could uh, give Hadris his day to shine. Yes. I don't know what you have. So I'll let you go. Well, I just just had... um, I just wanted to say, you know, I think he's kind of cool. His his head, he can be detached from his body. His kappa was decayed. <laughs> <laughs> and and he's still functioning. His body's running around like hello. Yeah, that's what's <laughs> looking cool for with his, his head. Thing. Is that yeah? But how does his body hear his head? Well, that's a good question. His body must sense the rest of him. Yeah, but he's yelling at him. And he's going in all different directions, so he can't sense him very well. Well, th- he has no ears that we know of. Exactly. So he's he's sensing the vibe. But that's not uncommon. That's been in a lot of like cartoons and things with a head or something that's... It's like the chicken detect- with his head cut off. Or the uh, like Ichabod Crane, Sleepy Hollow. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that happened in there. Maybe in a cartoon. I don't know. Maybe a skeleton romp cartoon with the head coming off. In the credits of Dead Man's Chest, he's referred to as the, not the, but just headless. He's referred to as headless, not the headless. Oh, really? Yeah. Not just Hadris? Uh-uh. It's he was played headless. by Reggie Lee, yeah. Huh. Hadris' body was covered with coral and barnacles, though uh, most notably was the fact that his head was ensconced like within this conch shell. Yeah, he was like a hermit crab yeah. head. His head, uh, in fact, transformed and merged into a hermit crab, like you said, uh, that could move independently of his body, propelled by a number of small crab-like legs. See, that's just awesome. Well, how awesome? that could run if, around if you have on to its be, own. Are you saying that it's awesome, like you would want to transform it? Or if you had to be a fish person, that you would choose something like this? Yeah, I'd maybe. pick the hermit crab head. Okay. His weapon of choice, which is eerily similar to my weapon of choice, is the knuckle dusters. You know what knuckle dusters are? Is it like a... I can't think of what they're called. Brass knuckles? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, it is. Because you've seen them. Well, first rule about Fight Club, we don't say anything more about Fight Club here. So I've already said too much on my knuckle dusters. But yeah, brass knuckles. Pieces of metal shaped to fit around the knuckles designed to preserve and concentrate a punch's force by directing it toward a harder and smaller contact area. There you go. Because it's all about damage. At least from my perspective. Because they result in like this increased tissue disruption. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for... Massive tissue disruption when I'm out there brawling. Really? Including an increased likelihood of fracturing the victim's bones or impact. Or on God. impact. You know, that's that what just I like. reminds me of the video I watched earlier. I don't want to. Oh, come on. Why do you bring up stuff? But that's what I'm talking about. Knuckle dusting. Not your crazy guy puts his hand or arm in a wildlife trap. Yeah. No trapping. God. Well, doing a bit of brass knuckles research. Because... <laughs> Because I wanted to be on the FBI's list. Actually, brass knuckles are okay. I found this interesting, kind of an interesting tidbit. So I thought I'd pass it along. Wikipedia had a photo of the knuckle dusters and the caption said, Brass knuckles carried by Abraham Lincoln's bodyguards during his train ride through Baltimore. Really? Ford's Theater National Historic Site, 2007. 
Wow. Lincoln, the wow. beloved president. Had brass knuckle. Had a crew of brass knuckle dudes. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that they also had some pistols with them. But, I hope so. Uh, yeah, they also sported brass knuckles in case. Well, probably because, you it's know, you get bloody. trying to reload those and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. less bloody <laughs> when you're smacking somebody down in well, the head with well, brass knuckles. Well, it's not like, you know, you get shot and it's less bloody out, because but. it's actually more bloody. Because if you shoot somebody, well, they're true. over there. Brass knuckles, it means you're you're getting the blood they're in on your you. arms. Yeah, reach. OK, I got it. Well, what the hell, though? Lincoln's entourage. That's weird. Sporting brass knuckles. I mean, come on. Who would have guessed that? Anybody I, I would have guessed that? No. I mean, it's like, this is history here. Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter history. <laughs> brass knuckles, our president. Not current president. <laughs> I don't know if he wears brass knuckles. That's up to him. Lincoln is what I'm talking about. And now I got to look at the Lincoln Memorial. See if he had some brass knuckles on him there. He wasn't wearing them. He had to have some. You're telling me that Lincoln didn't want brass knuckles if his crew did? His security was. His security had him. I'd want some. No, Lincoln was pretty calm and subdued. I don't see him with brass knuckles, I'd still want some brass knuckles. He stormed in his hat. You could go down into the Senate. Say, I want this happening. Yeah, what are you going to do in there? Come on now. You're going to brass knuckle somebody. You're going to go in the knuckle duster treatment. I want this passed. And then you knuckle duster the whole situation. Anyways, yeah, apparently these weapons date back to ancient times and have been used all over the world for many hundreds of years. Really? Yeah. Hadris, like I said, was played by Reggie Lee, but he was actually played by two actors, also played by Tai Huang. When he in was Dead separated? Man's Chest. No. While Ho Kwan Si portrayed Hadris and At World's End, Si had previously also played Ho Kwan, a pirate in Jack's crew. And Tai Huang... Also played this whole thing. So there's like lots of names, okay? But let's just break it down. Easy. Two people played Hadris from Dead Man's Chest Reggie to Atworld's Reggie Taiwan or Hoquan? Hoquan. Hoquan C portrayed Hadris in Atworld's End. Reggie Lee portrayed Hadris or Headless in Dead Man's Chest. Okay, so in this movie, it was Reggie. Yeah. In the next here's, movie... Here's the problem though, okay? Is... Ho Kwan Si portrayed Hadris in At World's End, okay? Okay. But Ho Kwan Si, okay, the actor, yeah, played Ho Kwan, a pirate in Jack's crew, in Dead Man's Chest. Okay. Okay? Yeah. So there's like character swapping here. Got yeah, it? Yeah, what's up with that? Yeah, they've just uh, intermingled. So they kind of play thing. It doesn't help when one guy's name is actually a character's name. That's what's messing with people's minds. People's or yours? Mine. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just call it that. In the production screenplay drafts of Dead Man's Chest, Hadris was depicted as speaking a mixture of Japanese and English rather than Cantonese and English as he does in the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Then they kind of changed it over, probably because he knows Cantonese. I want to know why he shut up when Jack told him to. Jack talked high. Because you're ahead on the ground. Oh, he didn't want to be stomped? Yeah, or whatever. (laughs) Buried, who knows? Reggie Lee does a lot of TV stuff, but nothing that really hit me over the top, kind of funny-wise. Yeah. So that means I ignored it. Oh, okay. Just didn't see it. We're not getting, like, the stuff that we've gotten with some actors where it's... And I can't even think of some of those crazy ones where we list off the names that they've done. Oh, like the... Yeah. Yeah, I can't even think of what some of them were. But it was like Afro something. Uh Yeah, those... Afro Circus. (laughs) Not Afro Circus. So I figured I didn't want to run through his resume on that. 
since we're on the Hadris incident, the great Hadris incident of 2006, we do get the infamous amazing coconut throw that you mentioned. Yeah. Reminds me of a bishop's wife when the child Debbie wants to join like the snowball fight. She oh, can't throw, yeah. but, but Dudley gives it like a bit of heaven juice on it. And then, <laughs> then it, like magically, Debbie like, Zuzu, obviously, and It's a Wonderful Life, same person, connects and hits that kid, you know, with yeah, this long yeah. toss. Which, by the way, impresses the young George Bailey, who is also in The Bishop's Wife. Huh. So we get some crossover with uh, Debbie Zuzu, George Bailey, the kid. She's on our team, kind of thing. Oh, Bishop's Wife. It's a Wonderful Life. Just check them out next holiday season. Add those to your or now. Hol- holiday movie Repertoire. List. Yeah. Or maybe for those not born in the 30s like us and who grew up watching not old me. 40s wait, movies. Wait, wait, wait. And grew up don't, watching old 40s movies. Here's the other reference. Don't put me in your talkie reference, by the way. <laughs> I will put you there. No. It's like Elf. Here's a more modern day reference. That is, if you still look at when Elf was made, it's pretty old. Not like old, but I can't believe how time has passed. It's like Elf, though. Buddy throwing that snowball that magically hits that kid running away. Well, Buddy was magical. But is he? that Okay, we're not going to get into Elf lore here. He, it it kind of acts like he is, but he's just a normal person. I guess he has some Santa juice on him, but... Yeah. That helps because he does do some Santa things. juice. I guess that's what happens if you just well, eat he has candy Santa's, all your life. Santa's magical powers. Not Santa juice, because that's just weird. <laughs> that would be juice. Drinks his Santa juice, like, uh... My- <laughs> Do you really know what you're saying here? No, like, Michael Jackson always said he was drinking Jesus juice, so that, that's how I'm oh, equating wow. it. wow. Let's just pretend I never said any of that. That's probably a good idea. Okay, anyways, it's a great hit. Trust me, <laughs> it's no snowball. A freaking coconut that he tosses like a football, appropriate for this launching on Super Bowl Sunday. It's a million to one shot, Doc. Million to one. Let's just call it good. It's Puppy Bowl shot. Sunday, by the way. Puppy Bowl. Yeah, we don't really watch sports, so and and because we're streaming only now, we don't even really get Puppy no, Bowl. So it's really sad. We're stupid so network on Super Bowl Sunday. We are launching a Pirates episode. Yeah, there we go. Might as well. Yeah, Pirates way entertains better than the Super us. Bowl. It's way better than Super Bowl. You got anyways. that right. Does lead to the big revelation though, the Hadris incident, because we get our first Heart of Davy Jones look. So what do you think oh. about the heart? Well, I have I have comments on the chest. The chest when it opens, the yeah. whole mechanism and everything totally reminds me of Indiana Jones. It does. Okay, we're gonna. It's got go there. Indiana Jones reference all over it. I was gonna talk about that later, but since oh. I wasn't necessarily, I don't think I was really gonna mention Indiana Jones, but I like the Indiana Jones things because it really is the. It's like I'm gonna just call it right now the dusty air cliche. That's what happens when the chest is unlocked by Jack Sparrow. Here. Yeah. As much as it sounds like I'm calling it out as bad, I actually love this effect. In most movies, I love it no matter what. Whether opening a burial chamber in Egypt, a cursed chest here, I like that it has like this great airtight feel to it. Yeah. Almost like it's letting out this musty bacterial-laden swoosh. Well, it's kind of hard in it. That's true. Of course, it's bacterial-laden. <laughs> it always adds that like thing of suspense to it yeah. when you have a... The air rush out like yeah. that. But I just like the way it opens. I like the way that it opens. The, the mechanism is really cool. It. Yeah. I love that. That's what reminded me of Indiana Jones. All of the things coming out. Oh, I see what you're saying. Not just like the the air. It's yeah, more of the... The mechanism. Like this ancient kind of technology. Yeah. Like the stone in the tombs and where when he's running through the tunnels and stuff where these things are all moving in and out. Stone yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, I can see that. 
Now, regarding the heart, Jack's reaction to handling of the heart did not fit. Yeah, Because exactly. Jack would be completely grossed out, and you could totally tell about handling this heart. He doesn't like to touch stuff like that. Yeah. He doesn't. No. We know he's, he gets kind of the oogie factor exactly. to it. Exactly. So and for him just to pick up a heart is not right. he didn't have a normal reaction for Jack when he picked That's up this true. heart. That is correct. Because he would have been grossed out. I would be grossed out. Exactly. He just grabs it. Okay, mind you, maybe he's, I got to get the hell out of here. Yeah, but still, you'd still have a reaction to even, it. Because what even, what has he done that's been something like that where he kind of flinches and, and grabs something? It, it seems there is something yeah. that is in his character, and I can't pinpoint it right now. Yeah. But this isn't it, just the grab. It's just not normal for him. No. Not a normal Jack reaction to this heart. No. To handling this heart. I mean, it does I mean look- he has to touch it. He has to put it in his jacket. But still, he would have a reaction about touching this thing. I agree. It was Cannibal Island, I think. Is that what it was? Well, he well then again, he bit a toe to fit in. Well, that's true, but there's something that remi- it makes me feel that this doesn't ring Jack. Yeah, but then again, Pelagosto, maybe it jaded him when he had to chew on that toenail. Maybe I don't know. It just doesn't fit. That's possible. Something maybe happened it's just in, in the original Pirates. Maybe something in there. Because there's something he grabs. I can't recall right now. Something he grabs and he's making like disgusting yeah, face I'm, I'm at it. I'm sure like, somebody will know and mention yeah. it to us. I, I'm on a blank with it right now as well. But I'm not was sure it, about wait, the heart. Wait, was it the skeleton? No. In the box that he, at the beginning of the movie. The heart looks he a bit rubbery the, to me though. Well, yeah. I don't get the the heart feel, a, like a li- live heart thing. Because it's not heart shaped. I send you to the deep. No, you idiot. Obviously. <laughs> I know that a heart is not heart-shaped. How dare you, by the way. Even throw that out there. No kidding. Like, you open up the chest and it's like some red heart shape. That's ridiculous. It does seem to have some barnacles on it, though. Yeah. Look those like are those. the ventricles. No. A, no. <laughs> those look like little barnacles. I need to zoom in on it then, but they look like barnacle action it's the ventricles. on ventricles. No, that's not... You don't know what you're talking about. I need to give it another look. I'll just say that. But I thought I was seeing some barnacle action on the heart. Now, if I go look at my heart collection for a comparison, they're not really lining up. That's where I'm going for. (laughs) Doesn't quite look the same. This might get into uh, future spoilers here. It looked huge for one thing. Davy Jones is a big dude. It's in the... No, because your heart... It's your heart. Your heart is the size of your fist. This sucker was huge. It fit in his hand. David really? Jones is a big guy. Really? He's... It fit in his hand. Yeah. He's just a big it's guy. It's like dinosaur heart size. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> That's just ridiculous. The heart, just as a reminder for everybody, was removed by uh, Davy Jones from his own chest after he betrayed the sea goddess Calypso, who had forsaken him prior to his betrayal. Jones carved out his heart in order to no longer feel the grief and guilt at what he had done or any emotion of love again. I might cut out my own heart. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't, I, don't I don't have a heart. I don't think you'll live. A more formal version of the story is that after the goddess Calypso had forsaken Davy Jones, he turned to this like brethren court. We've talked about the pirate kind of brethren court. Yeah. And they convened a great conclave. And so with his help, the brethren was able to imprisoned Calypso under her human form. But this would not help because Joan's grief and guilt became so great he carved out his own heart 
right out of this chest, okay? And then he locked it away into the dead man's chest. And as a result, a geist was cast upon the, the heart, if I will, with Joan's ship, the Flying Dutchman. So whoever stabs Joan's heart, theirs must take its place, as the Dutchman must always have a captain. <gasps> That's spoiler alert. Actually, I called it a geist. I think it's actually a gesh, because it's a, uh, yeah, I think it's a gesh, actually. I'm, I should go back and edit that, but I won't. It's a gesh. It's like a, a taboo. Whether of obligation or prohibition, it's similar to being under a vow. Let's just say that. Okay. And then the kind of this idea is it's also used to mean specifically a spell prohibiting some type of action. Or it's, it's common in Irish folklore and mythology. So gesh, actually. But it's spelled G-E-I-S for those out there. Then there's, a, there's this whole thing that I wanted to talk about just briefly anyways. It's, it's kind of... A, Elizabeth, oh, so you're holding up a, a copy of the heart, and there are barnacles on that. Yeah. So it's amazing that I was able to to see that. That's a really good detail. We should share that on the Facebook. Okay. Share that on the Facebook group. Because okay. if you do it, it'll happen. If I do it, Cynthia's going to go, Scott, I don't want to have to tell you again. It looks like almost a model. It does look like a model. You should share it. It's really cool looking. I might need to get that. So do that. Okay. Speaking of the Facebook group of putting stuff up there. Kelvin posted a poll. Oh, yeah. Of Indiana Jones and Pirates. And it was this. It's almost like two movies going head to head. And whatever one gets the most votes moves into the next round. And it was Indiana Jones versus Pirates of the Caribbean. And Indiana Jones won by what? Like 54% to 46%. And so I probably got myself in trouble because I said I would probably do the Indiana Jones one. And then I got the angry face from Kelvin. Well, and it, you yeah, it, it. I know I deserved it for having a pirate show and then on the pirates Facebook group to actually say that. But as I said in the post, it was really because of the indie nostalgia factor that stretches back a long ways with me. And Indiana Jones, come on, Indiana Jones. I don't know what to say. That one just you know edges it out for me. I gotta say it. I didn't want to lie to everybody. I lie so much. That I just had to speak some truth there. Now maybe I regret it. And then that, this is why I go, oh, lying is always the best option. So maybe I'll try to remember that next time I'm confronted with something. But thanks to Kelvin for posting that and then subsequently baiting me into getting in trouble. But anyways, where I was going with all this is this idea that these minutes include Elizabeth kicking a lot of ass here. Like two sword style ass yeah. kickings. She really is like coming to her own as this... Like pirate sword, sword wielding diva, by the way. Okay, sword fighting diva. Yeah. So she hands out double penetration from behind. Let's just say that. Wouldn't that slice her up herself? No, if you didn't, you're not. Depends how you. You would definitely get cut up. But as uh, somebody adept at handling swords, I am very adept. <laughs> just ask at grog my drinking. Gandalf sword. <laughs> grog drinking is about all. That really? You're adept at. Yeah. In my lightsaber, by the way. <laughs> That's true. You do have a lightsaber, which you've stabbed yourself many times. No. Never stabbed but myself. Stabbed you. Right into the chest of those two dudes, okay? Firstly, that's just rude. Nobody wants to get stabbed from behind. <laughs> second. <laughs> second. Wow. <laughs> and again, the show has moved from PG to <laughs> X-rated. She, she stabs them. Okay, rated R. 
I didn't get it now for showing the stuff, then that's X-rated, but we're not showing anything. Okay, rated R. Just talking about it. Then she continues that fighting on the beach. And the reason I bring that up is that we get like a second instance within a few minutes of this crazy thing occurring that halts all the fighting, okay? The wheel. The water wheel barrels through the shallows, snags some of the Dutchman's crews we've already talked about, and rolls on. You know, roll on one wheeler, roll on. 18-wheeler, by the way. No, it's one wheel. Do you only see one <laughs> wheel here? That ain't 18-wheels. But we literally just saw this a few minutes ago. And this is my issue. We just... Let me say it again for effect. We just saw this. With Jack. But on the realism front here, with Jack. Yeah, Jack goes by. The fighting stops. They all look at it in amazement. Yeah. Elizabeth is fighting the crew of the Dutchmen. A couple of them get snagged up. And everybody stops to watch this big wheel keep on Keep rolling. on rolling. <laughs> keep on rolling. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's the because search had been abandoned, they're, they're you know? amazed is actually still, still, still rolling. I don't know what it is. that This big giant wheel came out of the jungle and rolled over people. You, wouldn't you stop everything and start Well, that's what I'm saying. That? As much as I don't like to see it again. Why don't you want to see it again? Because we just literally saw involved. it. Literally just saw it. But There's, on the realism front, if this actually happened, it's I totally think it real. would stop the action. But again, like I said, we just saw this. And I'm not sure if it's an issue. I don't know if it's just odd script filmmaking kind of thing or to bring the same trope back so soon. Not that it's not warranted here. And we've made a connection that this seems to be the best way to get these Will and Norrington characters back to the point of Everybody no joining the whole group here. Yeah. But I'm just pointing it out. Because I wonder if it's a bit like lazy screenwriting or filmmaking kind of thing. Could we oh, have done something rude. else? I'm just asking. Asking the question. Could something else have been devised? That's all my question is. I mean, it doesn't detract from the strong Elizabeth pirate character thing. That's for sure. She's still doing her thing. But she's now stopped twice in the fighting thing to that's see true. some crazy action happen. It's very true. If she had learned from her first encounter with crazy wheel she would she, know that everybody's gonna look at the wheel and she'd and she be can chop stabbing away <laughs> yeah she goes i've already looked at that that's thing. very true i've already yeah. rubbernecked she's the problem on the freeways elizabeth swan she should chop these guys heads off exactly. while they're looking at this it's a padras because he'll just walk around still doesn't hurt to i mean jack should pick up hadris's head and coconut throw that thing oh, and wait yeah. for it yeah. to try and find that that's one thing okay but anyways, this like completely solidifies her transformation from corset wearing governor's daughter thing to pirate lady sailing, you know, the seas and holding her own against all the men's yes. out there. Maybe a bit of foreshadowing of Pirates of the Caribbean 6 kind of thing. If Red does take the lead, we'll see. She did tell Jack that Will taught me how to handle a sword. And I thought that was just a euphemism, but I guess I may be wrong. Maybe. Or maybe it's a double entendre. Hmm. We'll have to give that some thought. We'll have to ask Will if we ever see him. Does Elizabeth really know how to handle a sword? No, not that. That's not what we're talking about. Okay. Something I'm not wrong about, though. Feels like we've been phoning in the show for a while. This one, not so much. Others, yeah, maybe. Definitely the workload has been quite stressful and uh, putting a damper on pirate podcasting. I'll tell you that. But things are settling in, kind of. Settling down, settling in. Settling, settling down, settling in. And as we're approaching the last, what, 10 or 12 episodes of season two, it's no wonder we've been thinking about the future. Like, what the hell is the future for What's the, the future Black Pearl hold? Show? Exactly. So it's like, what does Tiadama hold for season three? Shake them oracle bones, voodoo queen. <laughs> that kind of thing. 
because we'll be getting back to them pirate roots of ours, I think. We've tested a few formats, seeing what and works and what doesn't work. And then, obviously, we're just trying to keep the show going. And how things feel. Yeah. But we both, I think, have come to like a commitment to plundering each and every minute of this damned franchise. Yeah. Each and every minute. None of this two-minute garbage. No, we're going to go back to one minute at a time. One minute at a time. So we don't have all the dates in place for the launch of Season 3 at World's End, in case those don't know. If you're listening to a pirate show and don't know what the next one is, shame on you. And taking at World's End one minute at a time ought to be quite interesting. That is going to be brutal, too. Yeah, that'll be interesting and brutal, maybe. It's going to be a lot of wondering about LSD for that episode. But we definitely want to get some prep done during a small like season break. And what I can say is that we're getting back to the tradition of season one and the beginning of season two. It's tackling each and every freaking minute. That's what we want to get back to. So, I mean, we're still kind of planning some of it, but I don't think we can feasibly do five episodes a week like we were doing. No, that's too many. But we will, but I think we, and I say will, but I'm going to just say it. I think we will make two episodes happen, and then we're going to make that commitment. Covering just a single minute each and every week, there'll be two episodes dedicated to one minute. Tuesdays and Thursdays most likely, but we'll see. Then sprinkling in bonus episodes or other content as it pops up. Tuesday and Thursdays. We won't commit to that. I'm just saying it's out there. We're not necessarily doing that, but I think the whole plan is to get the schedule in order. That way there's regular release dates. These are the days that they're going to be popping out and all that kind of stuff. That's what I'm saying. But I do want to thank everyone for the feedback, all the feedback. I had to say I was at my own end and was wondering if the end was near for the show, but uh, no. Managed to avoid getting stuck on a destructive reef, kind (laughs) of. We'll be carrying on and having fun. We will keep everyone posted on the remaining episodes as we settle on firm dates. But it feels good to get this planned out and make this happen. It's like I said, I was uh, worried for season three. But sailing on, that's what we're going to be doing. And bringing the latest news about the future of the franchise, that should be interesting. Of course, the driving factor for all of this is simply an excuse to drink rum. That's really Where's that rum? That's really why we want to have a season three. Because without the show, we're just drunkards. With the show, yeah. we're pirates and we're doing research. Our family starts worrying about us. I like to call it honorable drinking. You know, uh, drinking for a cause. You know, we have a shot for the Black Pearl show for everyone. Everyone out there have a shot. Shot of rum. Unless it's for a school assignment. Not sure it's something uh, we should be endorsing for kids and that kind of stuff. Well, you know, it depends on what age we're talking about. They're underage. Now, but, a college school assignment, maybe they're doing a... They're not reports in college. So you don't have any clues of what's going on over there. paper on Pirates of the Caribbean. The Black Pearl Show? No, Pirates of the Caribbean. And rum drinking, then... Then it might go okay. But okay if you're there. underage... Oh, yeah. We don't endorse underage drinking. Well, if they're underage, they can... they. They have to ask their teachers if that's okay. I'm just going to say that. I can't say yes or no. It's up to their teachers. I said it's up to their teachers. Really? Because it's another Disney lesson brought to you by Pirates of the Caribbean. Up to their teachers, not parents. (laughs) Up to their teachers, I said. You don't want to ask your parents those kinds of questions. You just go straight to the teacher. There you go. Yes, really? I think for this, it's okay for you to drink That's what I'm saying. They might be able to get away with it. Into the future, pirates will prevail. Finally, we've conquered death. All our worries gone. Every night, our souls will rest till the break of dawn. And the ship sails on back into beyond, over again. When I sing the song, it's my home. Until the end, centuries across the sea is not enough for me. All I want is to be free.
so little like i said before we provide all this thanks at the end we thank all of our listeners we just appreciate all the support we usually say something like thanks for listening scallywags so if you like the show give us a review on itunes it really does help us out it grows the show and we greatly appreciate it have a question or comment give us a call at 8637pirate we just might play your voicemail on the show you can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlshow.com and don't forget to join the post episode brawls on facebook our Facebook listeners group, and on Twitter. All the links are at blackpearlshow.com. It is that freaking easy. We'll be back with a new episode. And of course, delivering Pirates of the Caribbean information to the masses as the dirty, filthy bilge rats we are. Analyzing, scrutinizing, and plundering. So until then, scallywags, let's keep the horns swoggling to a minimum and the run drinking report writing, as Heather would call it, to a maximum. <laughs> or... The Blue Moon drinking to a maximum. Blue Moon. There you go. Blue Moon beer. This episode brought to you by Blue Moon Belgian White. Ah, Belgian style wheat ale. <laughs> Just like the pirates used to drink. <laughs> Just like the pirates. It's not enough for me. All I want is to be free and hail Captain Blood. On and on eternally. What life of piracy. Hail the curse of Gilmanky and hail Captain Blood. Listening to the Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, Scallywags. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun, I think all you dirty, filthy bilge rats know that Disney and Bruckheimer films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music, that's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout-out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest? Well, that's just me. Oh, maybe Heather. This is a Shoutreach Media Production.